College Basketball Podcast. This is Jonathan here with Sean, the return of Sean. <laughs> yep. We, we've got back. a weekend of college basketball to uh, discuss. Uh, the SEC won the Big 12 SEC Challenge, which I, I think came as somewhat of a surprise, uh, but certainly a couple upsets went along the way. We'll discuss those at the top. Jane Ivey. Oh, man. Clutch. Second game winner against Ohio State. Ohio State has nightmares about Jay Nyby. I mean, he makes he makes some awesome shots. Like he's just that he's just that kind of player that like the ball is in his hands late in the game. It might not be a good shot, but you always have that feeling that he's going in. Yeah, but most definitely. And like that shot, I mean, I guess we could start with that. I mean, the fact that was even game a game. First off, yeah, Purdue needs to not they've blown a lot of leads this year. Like, games that shouldn't be close have been way too close. You, you think about the Iowa-Purdue game uh, at the start of league play. Like, there's no reason that game should have been even remotely close. But it was very close at the end of it. Purdue's got to figure out a way to close these games out because that's going to be an issue because not you're not going to have a chance to play uh, another game in a couple days down here in the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament. You, you can't blow games like that if you're a Final Four caliber team. No, you can't, but... I mean, I guess if you're going to blow games, at least hit the game winner, uh, which Jay Nivey certainly did, uh, which very, very clutch shot, just pulled right up. Looked like I was like getting the overtime tweet, tweet it or ready roll and Jay Nivey. Oh, so you just, just, you like, just have those ready to go like before every, every game that you're uh, watching with overtime? I, I, so, sometimes, sometimes. I, I I was fully prepared because I'm like this possession's going nowhere, and then Jay Nivey's like this well, it, possession's it was, going somewhere. It was kind of like the possession at the end of that uh, Purdue Illinois game, but Ivy didn't take the shot. Right? Am I am I mistaken there? Either he took a three or he didn't take the shot because I was like, why isn't Jade and Ivy just going downhill? Like Kofi Coburn yeah. has four fouls, go downhill, try to score on him. Yeah, or at least. Try getting the step back three, which I mean certainly worked in this way. But yeah, I mean Purdue, nice win for them. I think keeps them. They'll be they'll be a one seed entering, I guess tomorrow's bracketology, or they'll stay as a one seed. Auburn, um, Gonzaga, Purdue, Baylor. Yeah. So mm. I think uh, three of the four pretty solid. Then I think Purdue's like. I think Hang Purdue is better than Baylor at this point. Not resume-wise. Well, yeah, maybe not resume-wise. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll get into that. Uh, the team Purdue ended up jumping was the Kansas Jayhawks, who got smoked. Uh, simply put, Kentucky ran them off their own court, and it was kind of like a game. It wouldn't have been surprising to see Kentucky win. Like, I pick Kansas to win if I were doing like if we were doing against the spread picks I think I would have taken Kentucky plus the five which was uh, the spread in this game but uh, man Kentucky just blitzed them and uh, it was really impressive Keon Brooks had a career high uh, in this one uh, was really impressive Oscar Shibway did Oscar Shibway things uh, just bullied David McCormick off the court uh, so I mean that this is just a really impressive win for uh, Kentucky and they did so with Ty Ty Washington really not being a factor in this game which was I think one of the more impressive things in this 
Yeah, here's here's my thing about Kansas. This is what I kind of want to get on get in on a little bit. They just don't really get anything from their from their front court. Like Dave McCormick continues to not have a very good season. Mitch Lightfoot has been playing like 20 minutes the game. We know what Mitch Lightfoot is at this point. He's a solid player that is good in a reserve role, but you probably don't want him playing 20 minutes a game like that sometimes. He only played 13 in this one. Uh, so that like he's good. He's good in his role. That's what he's always been. That's what he will be the rest of this year. And KJ Adams, he played 11 minutes. He's been fine. But David McCormick, 16 minutes, three points, one rebound. Like you got to have more out of that from him, especially offensively. Like he's just completely disappeared this year. And if you told me that before the season, I would have had more concerns about Kansas. And then Remy Martin, I know he missed some time with injury, but he comes back. He played 22 minutes against Texas Tech. He didn't play at all in the overtime, I believe. Played 14 minutes in this game while Dewan Harris played 28. I think Dewan Harris is a good player, but I think for Kansas to reach their ceiling, Remy Martin has to be their go to point guard. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, maybe if I were Kansas, I would explore playing like, since you're getting basically nothing out of David McCormick, maybe play Jalen Wilson at the five and just. I don't, I don't know if that works either, though. Like maybe because he's 6'8, 225. He's yeah. not the strongest, like most physical player of all time. I think it could work against some teams. But I think it could work in small spurts. I think Lightfoot, I mean, Lightfoot, I I mean, he can play the five too, I guess. KJ Adams. I, I mean, that's, that's kind of my issue. Like we're bringing up all these potential spots where who can play the five, who, who could play well at the five. I think the easy answer is David McCormick just has to play better. Yeah, like I, I think that's the easiest solution here because he's shown that he can be good before. He was good last year, but it's worth remembering he was really bad in the first couple months of last year. Then he got it going. He's had a few games this year where we're like, okay, David McCormick's back. It's just been so inconsistent, and he hasn't been able to find that consistency at all. I believe I picked him as my conference preseason player of the year. Uh, that's not going to happen, but I, I did predict it, I'm pretty sure. And if not, I at least thought about it. And that hasn't lived up to the hasn't lived up to the hype, but the preseason Big 12 player of the year was Remy Martin. That's also not living up to the hype. It's clearly Oshai Abaji at this point, but Kansas, like, I just don't know what to think about him. You look at their recent games, you get blown out by Kentucky, probably should have lost to Texas Tech, uh, barely beat Oklahoma. They had to come back from down 20 to beat Kansas State, who's now 10-10 and 10 on the season. They just got blown out by Ole Miss, an Ole Miss team who didn't have Jarkel Joyner, their best player. So that's your last four games. That's a pretty unimpressive last four. Yeah. And like the, the other thing too, is like, I felt this was kind of like a game between two of the teams I thought could win the national championship. Like Kentucky prior to this game, like they looked good against Auburn while Washington was on the court. And then obviously he gets injured. I think from there it was kind of like down, but uh-huh. I mean, they, they've looked the part very recently of being like a legit national championship contending team. Uh, So, I mean, this is two games between what I thought were going to be two national title contenders and Kentucky was just flat out a much better team. And uh, they, they really came in, they, you know, quieted the crowd right away. Uh, Sheboy was dominating inside Keon Brooks, who uh, I, I didn't expect much out of him. I personally thought Jacob Toppin should probably be starting over Keon Brooks. He decides uh, quite any of that and go out for 27, which really impressive performance from him. You have Oscar Sheboy who, you know, just 
dominated inside. I, I think played McCormick off the court, uh, played Mitch Lightfoot off the court, made Mitch Lightfoot look small, which he's not that big for a big guy. The only person I think that even stood a chance against Sheboy was KJ Adams. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was still, and he's a freshman. Bit. Yeah. Like but if your best option is a freshman Ford who has barely played all season, KJ Adams played most of the minutes in the, in the overtime too. Like it, it's just, I don't get it. Like, it's just, I, if KJ, Anna, if KJ Adams plays well, then play him for sure. But it's just like, that's concerning for Kansas. Like yeah. they, they struggle to defend inside. That's for sure. And if KJ Adams, is the only guy that can consistently do it, then I think you're in trouble because he's a freshman and freshmen, you can't always rely, rely on freshmen. They're going to have games where they're really good. And they're going to have games where they're not very good. That's just what it is. I think KJ Adams will be really good over time. He'll have a great career with Kansas, but I, I just I think David McCormick is a real key to whatever Kansas is going to do the rest of the year. But for me, also, I'm just trying to figure out like there was some interesting uh, interesting rotations too in this game. Like Bobby Pettiford got some minutes with Remy Martin. I haven't seen a whole lot of that this year. I do like Pettiford a lot though. I think he's going to be a really good player throughout his career. But I think Kansas was just trying to find a lineup that worked, and they just couldn't find one that worked the entire game. Joseph Yesifu, I'm not even sure if he got into the game. Like, he's averaging, like, one point per game this year. So, Kansas, it's just – I don't know what to think. I, they have the talent to be a national title contender, but we haven't seen it recently, and I'm not going to put them in that category at the moment. I want to see it again before I fully buy in on that. But right now, like, if I had to tell you – Baylor is a clear top team in the Big 12, right? Who's number two? Is it Texas Tech or is it Kansas? I'm going Texas Tech. Yeah, I think right now, although, I mean, Kansas did just beat Texas Tech. uh, Texas Tech also beat them, though. Yeah, so I I still don't think, like, the gap between – I think it's, like, a clear three-team race between those three teams at this point. Uh, Obviously, Kansas will play Baylor – a uh, week from when this game took place. So, I mean, if we'll have, I think, a better clue of this, but I mean, right now I'd, I'd say I might even put Tech ahead of Baylor. Like if I was. Oh, really? Yeah, but you got to consider LJ Cryer was out against Alabama, I feel like, yeah. though. If I were picking who those three teams play like a round robin tournament right now, I think Texas Tech right now is better than Baylor. And I, I think eventually Baylor and Kansas will be better than Texas Tech, but if you're telling me who's better today, I, I'd take Texas Tech over both these teams. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and I guess we the transition right into the Baylor Bears, who uh, you, know, you, you mentioned didn't have L.J. Cryer, but lost to Alabama. I, I think the most concerning thing is kind of defensively in this one uh, because Alabama was able to get pretty much wherever they wanted uh, on the court, you know, I think Baylor did a decent job defending a three, uh, especially in the first half. But Alabama was just like, okay, you're going to take away the three. We're going to drive right to the rim and get a easy looks at the rim. And they exploded for 38 first half points. And then, uh, you know, Baylor, I think, tried was just trying to make adjustments. But, I mean, the defense, I think, is the somewhat concern. We saw it in the Villanova game. That defense, when it is going, can be stifling and impossible to score against. It was not stifling and impossible to score against in this game. No, do you, like without looking, 
Do you know what uh, what Baylor shot or what Alabama shot from two point range in this one? Uh, well, I already looked. You at already the stats. know. Okay. Okay. So seventy eight point six percent. They made seventy eight twenty two of twenty eight two point shots. That is, that's something. It's it's not great. And yeah, like, like for Alabama, who's a high usage, high volume three point shooting team, for them to take that many twos, it's credit to Alabama for realizing what was there and just taking what the defense gives them. That's first off. They definitely deserve some recognition for that. They didn't shoot the ball very well from deep, thirty three percent. That's okay. Uh, above their season average, which is still a bit of a concern for me. They're not a very good three-point shooting team so far this year. But Javon Quinterly is really good driving to the basket. That's what he's always been really good at. He's not a great shooter, but his quickness, his ball handling ability, uh, his ability to make plays makes him really dangerous when going to the basket. And we saw that in this one. Javon Quinterly had a great game. Alabama's a good team, but you don't know what you're getting out of them because they lost to Georgia the game before this. I know I didn't uh, do – did you talk about that on the podcast without me? Uh, probably so. Yeah. Like you can't lose to Georgia. Like that's, yeah. that's a terrible loss. Like Georgia's not a good team. It's just, that's a confusing loss. But like, I wasn't surprised because of the way Alabama has been this year. They lost to a not very good Memphis team. They lost to an Iona team who's good, but they should be able to win that game. They lost to Davidson who's pretty good, but they should be able to win that game. They lose to Missouri. They should definitely be able to win that game, but then they go and beat Gonzaga. They go and beat a healthy Houston team. They go and beat Tennessee. They go and beat Baylor. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, this this team is, like, completely confusing because, like you mentioned, they can go out, they can beat Gonzaga, they can beat Baylor, who are, you know, for sure top five teams in the country right now, and then follow that up by losing to Georgia and Missouri. It's like, it the consistency with this team is – not there and that's like somewhat of a concern but I mean then again like you're if you beat up on you know good teams and take a couple questionable losses in the SEC I know going forward they it doesn't look like they play anyone too terribly on the rest of their schedule so not gonna have any Georgia or Missouri losses left on their schedule South Carolina Vandy they're not they're not Georgia or or uh, Missouri, but they're not great either. Yeah. I mean, it, if hypothetically they're like, we're going to win two out of three games, well, the, two of the next three are against uh, Auburn in uh, Kentucky. So well, those I mean, aren't, that's not very, that's not, that's not uh, making me very encouraged. Those are two very good teams. Hey, Alabama beats up on good teams. What can we say? I'm, yeah, but like, I think, I think part of it is they're all NATO. T- team shoot a ton of threes but this team shoots 57 percent from two-point range and 31 percent from three-point range I think at some point like you have to do what you did in this game if a team's gonna try and run you off the three-point line and you're Jaden Shackleford or you're Javon Quinterly go get a bucket inside like the odds are you'll either get there pretty easily or you'll have to go score over a big man try to draw a foul that's an easy way to get a couple points. I think doing that could open up three-point shot for them more in the future because the shots just haven't been falling most of the time this year, except for the Gonzaga game. I feel like that's the only game where they really were consistently hitting shots the entire game. Uh, but they, they need to find a way to either get those three-point shots to fall or just 
start driving to the basket all the time because they have guys that can they have guards that can go right past other guards if they get switched onto a big man they can go right past that big man they just have guys that are so tough to keep up with like jd davison and javon quinterly because of how fast and how quick they are so those are guys i would definitely uh get driving to the basket as much as possible yeah definitely and uh in this game it was quinterly next game it could be shackleford like they they're just really good guards but the inconsistency, of course, is an issue. We'll see if they can figure that out. They play at Auburn and home against Kentucky this week. So hard to find a two-game stretch much tougher than that. Or I guess a three-game stretch since they'll it'll be Baylor at Auburn and then home Kentucky. Hard to yeah. find a three-game stretch tougher than that. Yeah. And then you look at Rick Barnes returning home to Texas where he's the winningest coach in program history he almost pulled off the comeback win. It was a crazy game because I thought this game was completely over. I switched the channel. I was done watching it. And they came back to, to, tie, the, to tie the game at one point there. Uh, I, I just, it was an unbelievable blown lead. They tied the game on a free throw, I believe. And Josiah Jordan James had a good look at the basket after a Timmy Allen free throw gave Texas the one point lead. Uh, Texas was just turning the ball over left and right down the stretch of that game, but they were able to hold on. That would have been a pretty devastating loss considering the game was in hand because Tennessee just could not put the ball in the basket the entire game. Another one of those situations that we've seen time and time again with this team, they just can't score consistently. We saw it against Texas Tech. We saw it against Villanova. We saw it against LSU to a lesser extent. We saw it against Mississippi. Like we've seen this against a lot of teams this year for Tennessee. And it is a bit of a concern that they can't consistently score. And it's not for a lack of talent. Like Kennedy Chandler can score. He just hasn't been consistent this year. Santiago Vescovi, he didn't have a good game, only over five from three, but he's been one of the better shooters in the country. John Fulkerson, 16 minutes, two points. They just don't get a ton of offensive production in the front court with Fulkerson just really not having a good year. Like, he's a guy that was in consideration in the preseason last year to win SEC Player of the Year, and now he's playing, like, 15 minutes a game off the bench behind Uros Plavchich and uh, Olivier Camois, and he's averaging only 7.7 points per game. Uh, He hasn't had a double-figure scoring game since January 5th against Ole Miss. No, uh, since January 11th against South Carolina, he had 10 points. So it's been a little bit since he's even scored in double figures. Like that's a guy, again, we were thinking he could be a big factor this year. He just hasn't been. Yeah. And what one kind of concern I think is like Katie Chandler just doesn't look the part of being like a, like he was kind of billed preseason as being like a lottery pick. One of those type of like special one done talents. He's kind of like underwhelmed. I'm not going to say like he's bad, like, he doesn't, you know, he should go back to college because he's not ready for the NBA. Well, maybe he should return to Tennessee, but like he's just kind of underwhelmed and I think been a little bit inconsistent at times. Like he'll have good games, like the Florida game, he was pretty good. Uh, I guess he scored a lot against uh, Kentucky and LSU, the two t- games they lost, but he's just, I think, kind of been underwhelming. And in this game, it was not him. It was the Kai Ziegler who was, I think being the real you know, key piece as Tennessee was making their comeback. Cause he just, I think is kind of like a, he's a good basketball player. Like he's not going to be a, 
you know, NBA player or someone that you look up on the Larry Bards, but he's just going to be like, I think a really good four-year player. He's going to, you know, run the show at the point. He's going to make people around him better. He's going to defend 94 feet if you want him. He's going to, you know, lock down the defensive end. And he, he was really key in kind of getting Tennessee back in the game uh, just with his kind of like defensive pressure on the Texas guards who credit or credit against them. They were throwing the ball all over the park, but I think a large part of that was due to Zakai Ziegler. But I mean, for Texas, they come away with their first top 25 win of the season. Uh, Wasn't pretty, but Hey, this, they go two and oh this week. They welcome back Rick Barnes sold out crowd. Everyone was, I think happy to see Rick Barnes. I know it didn't in, you know, perfectly, you know, but he had a good run there at Texas. I think it was just kind of like time for the two to uh, break apart, but yeah, return. And I think a good week for Texas, they went out and just smoked TCU on the road, which we can get into TCU uh, a little bit later and then beat Tennessee here. Uh, that's a really good two game stretch. And now the, the they'll play their toughest game of the sk- season at Texas Tech on Tuesday. I mean, that's going to be the raucous of raucous crowds. Like, I, I'm just hoping no one gets a water ball thrown at them. I think it could be that hostile. Let's get into the TCU-LSU game here. LSU drops another game. It's been a rough stretch for them in recent times. They've lost four of their last five games. They barely got past Texas A&M. They did get Xavier Pinston back in this game. He played seven minutes. So they got him back a little bit, but not a ton. The offense is just a big concern still. They aren't able to score the ball consistently, especially from their guards. Pinston's a good player, and he's able to score the ball. But he's still, it's like if Xavier Pinston is your only real scoring consistent option as a guard, that's not great either because you have Eric Gaines and Brandon Murray, who's a solid spot-up shooter, but Gaines is still a ways away from being a great player. He could be one day Justice Williams. He's not quite there yet. So they have a lot of guys that are playing bigger roles that might not be ready for that kind of serious action. If LSU is going to be a sweet 16 team, obviously the front court's great with Darius Days and Tari Eason and Efton Reed, who all started together in this game, which I believe for the first or second time this season that happened. So if they're able to stop you on the defensive end and keep the game to 50, 60, then they'll probably win. But this game, they let a not very good offensive TCU score 77 points. Mike Miles, who's a really good player at 19, Damian Baugh, 14, Chuck O'Bannon, 19. TCU ranks 125th in offensive efficiency, and they were able to score 77 points against LSU, the number one defense in the country. I'm not super in on this TCU team either. I, they don't have great wins besides the Iowa State win. It's Iowa State. Then you look at the road win against Kansas State. That might end up being a quadrant one win. But besides that, it's just a bunch of okay wins. Nothing crazy. The home win against Oklahoma, that's a quadrant one slash two win, I guess. And then they play at Oklahoma on Monday. That would be a big win for them. But this offense, I don't trust it long term. Mike Miles is a great go-to guard, but they don't have a lot around him that I trust. Emmanuel Miller's solid, but Micah Peavy's a defensive player. Damian Baugh's a defensive player. Uh, Chuck O'Bannon, he's shot the ball really well this year. And I don't really, I, I question the consistency of the front court also. So I, I'm just, I'm just not sure where I sit on this TCU team. I don't really think they're an NCAA tournament team. They're kind of firmly on the bubble. So they Are they in for you right now? 
Oh, they're with this win. They're comfortably in. I think comfortably in. Wow. Yeah. I like, think I, they'll end up not being in. That's my prediction. I think here's the thing. I think they'll because they they put themselves with kind of this good start and one they played a pretty easy non conference schedule, but with this win, I think they've kind of like really kind of solidified their resume. I think they're going to end up with enough wins because, like, you pick off Kansas State, Oklahoma State. Well, who uh, knows how long this one's a quadrant one win, though? Like, if LSU keeps playing the way they're playing, they're going to drop big time the net rankings. Yeah, but even if it, like, slips to quadrant two, I think they'll pick up enough wins because they'll – I assume they'll beat Kansas State, Oklahoma State at home. Uh, You get West Virginia, who I didn't have it on the outline – they look very underwhelming. I think they can – they'll play them twice. I think they can split with them. They play Iowa State. I think TCU will get enough wins to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, I I think with this team, it's just kind of like they're so inconsistent. Like one game, Mike Miles can go for 27. Chuck O'Ban can go for 20. And then the next game, this team's going to score 48 points. So it, it's like – I think you can count on like the spurt ability and kind of the fact they already have like a really good head start on their resume that I think they get in, but like their, their team, like if you're in the NCAA tournament and you're a seven seed going against 10 seed TCU, you're like, okay, well, this is perfect matchup. Let's get, get by TCU. Let's go upset Wisconsin, like whoever you're playing in the, next round you're 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 licking your chops if you're playing tcu in the first round so i don't think this tcu team is very good but wins like this it really helps you get you know that resume solidified and for tcu they've made uh, one ncaa tournament this century i think if if you're tcu and you you're able to just sneak in uh that's a win for you so Good win for TCU, at least to kind of help solidify their resume. Uh, SEC end up winning the Big 12 SEC Challenge. A couple other results. Arkansas beat West Virginia. Uh, Florida beat Oklahoma State. Iowa State beat Missouri. Texas Tech uh, won handily against Mississippi State. Uh, and Kansas or Ole Miss beat Kansas State. Any thoughts yeah, from that, any of those games? One. That's a tough one for Kansas State. I, I still had some hope that they might find their way in the NCAA tournament. That's probably not going to happen. 10 and 10, lost to a team without Jarkel Joyner and not very good Ole Miss team. It's probably the the uh, loss that's going to keep Kansas State out of the tournament. You look at a few of those games that they lost down the stretch that they could have had, Oklahoma, Kansas. Those are a lot of those are some games that they could have had and that would have helped their resume but they couldn't hold on in the final minutes. And that's going to be part of the reason why they're not in the NCAA tournament. I think Arkansas, they're playing a little bit better. Uh, West Virginia. They've I'm, lost I'm a lot of games that. in a row. Yeah. I mean, they, they just don't have, they don't have a Derek Culver. They don't have an Oscar Sheboy. They don't have those guys this year. And that's the biggest issue. No, no, uh, Sagaba Kanate. They don't, they don't have any of those guys. The, yeah. They don't. They don't have a guy that'll go get offensive rebounds all the time. That's just not there this year. They have solid players like Demond Kerrigan. They have uh, Gabo Saboyan, who's a more of a defensive guy. Polly Polycap. They have some solid guys, but none of those reliable guys, and that's an issue for them this year. And then they have a they, Malik Curry's been solid, but he's not a shooter. He's shooting seventeen percent from three this year. So they have a point guard that doesn't shoot the basketball. 
Kedrian Johnson also doesn't really shoot the basketball and he's their other point guard. So neither of them shoot the basketball and they had one that really shot the ball well last year with Deuce McBride. So they go from having Deuce McBride and Derek Culver to along with Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil to pretty much exclusively just scoring the ball with Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil. So that's an issue for this West Virginia team. I don't know if they end up making the NCAA tournament. They do have some big resume wins like against UConn, like against UAB on the road. That's a fine win. So I guess their resume is not as strong as I thought. Not sure that this is a tournament team. They've lost five straight games. They play Baylor on Monday. They're pro- I'm going to predict that they lose that one. They host Texas Tech. I think they'll probably lose that one in my prediction too. Then they go to Iowa State. No, they, they host Iowa State. They could get that one. Then they play Oklahoma State and Kansas State. They're going to need to. They're going to need to win some of these games here if they're going to make the tournament because it's it's not looking great right now. Yeah, I, similarly to TCU, it's like you don't have accountability with the or like reliability with the scoring. But the difference is like TCU is like by kind of playing a nothing non conference schedule has in a way like help themselves because they have that strong record that's just going to get them in no matter what, where West Virginia is going to, you know, if they go seven and 11 in big 12 play, they're going to end up uh, being, you know, 500 and you're not going to get in. So I think West Virginia, I would predict big 12 gets seven teams. I think West Virginia, Kansas state are the odd men out. And then obviously Oklahoma state won't get in because they're not eligible, but I, Arkansas is starting to play be- better. I think Jalen Williams has really kind of blossomed into being a much better player. He's been playing fantastic. Didn't shoot it well in this one, but uh, didn't need to because he was grabbing basically every single rebound. Looking at some ACC action here, Duke goes on the road and beats Louisville, who is without Chris Mack as he resigned. Uh, last podcast, you talked about that. Uh, now, Chris Mack, not the coach. Mike Pagese is the new interim head coach and Louisville played pretty solid. Like they, they probably played one of their best games of the year. L Ellis at 18 points, but the bottom line here is that this team is just not super talented. It's just, it's an okay team. If they, it's an okay team. That's, that's what it is. They're probably going to be like a 500 team. They might make the NIT, but they might not have a good enough record to make the NIT. They might uh, upset a team at home here and there with the good home court home court environment of the Yum Center. But when you're playing a team like Duke, who has Paulo Bancaro, who could be the top pick in the draft, and A.J. Griffin, who's going to be a top 10 pick, dropped 22, 5 for 5 from 3. Uh, it, it was just going to be a tough game because they were overmatched to a large degree talent-wise. They did have the game tied there for a minute at the under 8, but Duke was able to pull away at the end, win by 9. For Duke, though, A.J. Griffin, like when you think about that Gonzaga game, A.J. Griffin played, let me pull it up here, he played six minutes and had zero points. He was still coming back from his injury in the preseason, and he's now fully back, and he's been awesome. 22, like I said, 22 in this one. He had 15 against Syracuse a few games back. When he's shooting the ball, he's shooting the ball exceptionally well, shooting 50% from three this year, 32 for 64. He's athletic, he defends, he shoots the ball. He's going to be a really key piece for this team in the NCAA tournament. He might end up being their second scoring option. And to think that they were able to beat Gonzaga without this guy, man, this Duke team could be something special. Yeah, I mean, Griffin has, I think, been, since the ACC play has started, I think he's been Duke's best player. Like, he's been 
fantastic best player man i i wouldn't go that far in acc play like if you take out he's he's had some games where it's been that but like yeah. he's also had some games where he just he hasn't but like he doesn't have to shoot the ball a ton that's the thing yeah. like if he does he'll make most of them but he doesn't have to with how much talent is on this team so i think i think that's a good thing for duke right like they don't need him to be a star he could be the fourth option if you want him to and he's going to be a top 10 pick probably in the NBA draft like that. That's impressive. Like Trevor Keel's probably a borderline first round pick. Same for Wendell Moore. Ben Caro's a first round pick. Williams is probably a 20 to 25 pick guy. So you have a lot of NBA talent on this team. You have a superstar with Ben Caro. You have more Wendell Moore mostly running the show these days. Jeremy Roach is a solid backup. But I'm I'm in on this Duke team. Like they've had some games where they where they haven't looked great, but once they're fully healthy, with Trevor Keel's back, who missed the last few games uh, since the Florida State game, he's missed three consecutive games. I think Duke will be fine because when you look at their losses, they lost all of their three games by a combined eight points. Like I, I'm yeah. very in on this Duke team. They're probably I, I would say Gonzaga is my pick to win the title. But if I was picking someone other good thing in Zaga, I'd probably pick Duke. Yeah, like I I think Duke is. I would put Duke, uh, Gonzaga, Kentucky. Like, I I think those are kind of like three. Um, depending on upon like how Baylor's playing, Auburn. Like, they, I I would say like there there's probably I could see a list of nine teams uh, winning the championship. I think. And here, here's my nine. Obviously, Gonzaga, Duke, Kentucky, we mentioned them. I think Auburn, Baylor can win it. Purdue can win it. Arizona, UCLA. I'll, I'll still – I'm hesitant on Kansas, but I, I still think they can win it all. But they, they're they kind of like they're, – they're the eighth they're – the, they're the ninth of those nine teams. Yeah, and Michigan State going and beating Michigan pretty handily. This game wasn't close, particularly, uh, especially in the second half. They just blew the game open. It wasn't super close in the first half either, but it was a bad shooting performance from Michigan, which is what we've seen from them this year. If they're able to hit those perimeter shots, they've been pretty good. But if they're not able to, the game probably isn't going to go super well for them. We saw them this one. Caleb Houston, one for three from deep. Uh, Devontae Jones didn't make any. Terrence Williams 0 for 2 from 3. Eli Brooks, he went 3 for 11 from the field. Hunter Dickinson, 8 for 17 from the field. It's not great efficiency-wise, but he was really, really solid in this one, especially in the first half. But the shooting struggles, that that's the thing for Michigan. Like, if they're hitting those shots, I think they could be an NCAA tournament team that maybe maybe wins a game or two. But if they're not, they're not they're, they're a borderline tournament team if they're not hitting those three-point shots, which, which is what we've seen as a common trend this year. Yeah. And I for Michigan, I, they have a key upcoming stretch that they played in Nebraska. Just chalk that up as a win. Move Nebraska on. lost another league game, by the way. Like they, they, they had this one. They had to win against Rutgers. Like Rutgers shot three for nineteen from three, and Ron Harper was like zero for ten with little time left in the game and four fouls. He comes and makes a couple big shots late in the game, and they end up winning. But like. Man, that was their one chance to really get one. I I can't say I watched any of that game. I watched like the final two minutes. 
That's two minutes more than I did. But, I mean, for Michigan, we'll chalk the Nebraska game up as a win. They're probably going to lose at Purdue. If they win, that's great. But I think the key stretch is this uh, starting Tuesday, the 8th, really, I mean, I think you could say till the return game against Rutgers, they'll play at Penn State. You need to win that one. If you're going to be taken as like a legitimate tournament team, you need to win that game. Purdue, Ohio State at home, if you can get one of those two games, I mean, that's a quadrant one uh, opportunity there. Uh, at Iowa, it's not an easy game, but it's a game like if you're a tournament team, you got to pick off a quality road win. You got to add some quadrant one wins into the mix here. Like you have one against yeah. Indiana, go get a few more. Like they yeah. just don't have that many. They have one. That, that's the one they have. They have one quadrant one win. Yeah. So if you're able to beat Penn State, that's I think probably quadrant two, maybe quadrant one. Could be Who quadrant knows? one. They're like they're they're good enough to be top seventy five. Yeah. I mean, Purdue, Ohio State, those would both be quadrant one wins. At Iowa, at Wisconsin, if you're able to get one of those two wins, those would both be quadrant one. So, yeah, you have opportunities. I think they're manageable opportunities. I mean, next two, if you're able to go 2-0 this week, we're having a different conversation. But I think that's going to be the key stretch for Michigan, uh, where they need to get rack up on some wins. But, yeah, I just think Michigan say they're – especially when they're coming off a loss that they probably shouldn't have taken at Illinois. I think Tom Izzo had these, uh, these guys fired up uh, and they were kind of clicking on all cylinders. Uh, Michigan state. It's like, they don't really overwhelm you with talent, but they, they just have like so many solid pieces that when they're kind of clicking uh, all on the same page, like they're, they're, they're really good. I, I don't think they're towel contender, but I wouldn't be surprised if like this Michigan state team just randomly as like a four seed, you know, picks off the one seed picks off the three seed and makes it to final four. I don't think they're going anywhere after the final four, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make it to a final four. In games where Caleb Houston has made at least three threes, you know what Michigan's record is? Um, So they're 10 and eight. I'll go five and zero. Oh. Did you know that, or, or, or were you just guessing? I was just guessing. Five and zero oh when Caleb Houston makes three or more threes, including that three game, uh, two of those three games, one against Northwestern and the one against Indiana. Caleb Houston's the X factor for this Michigan team because he can really shoot the basketball. It's just been up and down for him this year. I mentioned McCormick as a guy for Kansas to watch. You got, you got to see what Caleb Houston's going to do because he can be the best shooter on that team. He can be one of the best shooters in the Big Ten. He was a top 10 recruit for a reason. And when he's hitting those perimeter jumpers, Michigan becomes a different team. Yeah. So it's going to be certainly important for him to make at least three threes uh, in a game. Yeah, I mean, that, that stat might not actually mean that much. I just thought it was interesting. I, I think it means – it means quite a bit. It's such like, a small sample, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, maybe it's not that important because it's five games, but they haven't lost when he's making shots. Yeah. I think it, like, equates to Michigan playing better. Like, if Caleb Houston is able to space the perimeter and be, like, a legitimate shooting threat, like, it just makes life for Hunter Dickinson so much easier. It makes – I think you're able to actually play Musa Diabate 
and Dickinson together where, or even like Johns and Dickinson, like you're able to play kind of that two big style because you have the perimeter shooting with Eli Brooks on the other end. Who's not like, he's not going to hunt his shot, but like, if you leave him wide open, he can knock down a shot. So you have to kind of like somewhat guard him. Uh, And then obviously Houston, if he's making his shots, that's certainly big. So. Okay. Uh, Here's probably a better stat in losses this year. Caleb Houston's five for 32 from three. That's not great. So when you look at those two things, when he's making three or more threes, they win. And in losses, eight of them, he's five for 32 from three. So when Caleb Houston's hitting shots, the moral of the story is Michigan's winning games. And if Caleb Houston's hitting shots, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, And that give or take a little bit on that five for 32. I just did the math in my head and I'm not good at math. So it could be like 35. Uh, I'm going to go with 32. Educated guess come, comes yeah, five like, and 32. Like, yeah, like I'm pretty sure it was 32, but I, I didn't have a notepad in front of me. It was just kind of kind of uh, some math in my head. Yeah. Well, the math added up for Providence because they picked up another win. They're 18 and two. Uh, that's 90 percent. Uh, They've won 90% of their games. and Yeah, th- that math is easy. I can confirm that one. Yeah. Nate Watson had the dunk of all dunks. Uh, just incredible dunk. Like, I think the game, they're down one. He just gets an offensive rebound, I think, and just utterly posterizes uh, whoever, was it Lewis maybe? I'm not sure who was in the game. Gets an and one puts Providence on top. Uh, the Dunkin' Donuts Center was going crazy. Uh, Justin Lewis, you know, the the win was the Providence fans were blowing the ball off the rim. Uh, Providence, though, they, they moved to 18-2. Uh, just an incredible performance, though, from the Friars. And an incredible start because they're, they're right there in the Big East uh, race. They're first in the Big East standings. Still a couple games against Villanova upcoming, but I mean, right now they this week was going to be like a test. You play uh, Xavier, who on the road, who is a really good Big East team. They win that. They game. won that game without Nate Watson, pretty much too. He had zero points yeah. and four fouls the entire game. Like they won that game without their best player, essentially. Like man, I it's crazy. Like I haven't been in on this Providence team much of the year. I thought they were overrated, but. They haven't given me a reason to really think that besides the loss to Virginia, which was over two months ago, yeah. like pro- almost three months ago, I guess. Like it, 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 they've been great all year and they have some great wins. They have one of the best resumes, if not the best resume in college basketball. They continue to win games. Nate Watson's great. Al Durham's very good. This team plays really hard. Ed Cooley's a very good coach. Justin Manai is a great glue guy defender. Noah Horkler's hit some big shots when they need him to. He's a good rebounder. A.J. Reeves missed a handful of games there. He came back today, two for four from three. So if they can can get some consistent shooting from A.J. Reeves, and that's another addition uh, to the team that they didn't really have in the last month, and they were still able to win games consistently. Uh, someone asked me this on Twitter earlier. What's Providence's ceiling seed-wise? I said probably a three seed because they have a lot of good resume wins. They have that loss of Virginia, which is really, really not great at this point. But the metrics don't love Providence still. So I think that's going to play play a role in whatever their seat is. I think their ceiling's a three. Yeah, I would I would say 
that's probably I think I have them as like, like they're thirty first in the net. They're thirty first in the net, but they have eight wins in the first two quadrants. They're forty sixth in Kenpa. Yeah. I mean the the problem is you have like the net, uh you know, Ken Palm, all the like kind of advanced analytical ratings don't like Providence. I think that's gonna you know, the committee's gonna look at that and say, you know what, you have a two seed resume, but we're gonna bump you down a seed line or two into being like a three or a four seed, which whatever, like that's probably what's gonna end up happening. I, I do think you know, this province team, they certainly, like, I think what the thing about them is they're just, like, so scrappy and tough, to, you know, defensively. Uh, and this game was kind of like a revenge game because the last time they played, Marquette ran them out of the court. I think they won by 32, I want to say. Uh, yeah, 88 to 56. There we go. Wait. Yeah, 32. So, yep. yeah, to get this game... I mean, Providence, I think, good resume. The analytics are going to hold them back. They're kind of like the opposite of Houston, who has, like, they've beaten absolutely no one, but is ranked number three in the net. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good call. Yeah. If Providence Providence had Houston's net and Houston had uh, Providence's net rank, if you flip those two net rankings – Province would be like a for sure one seed mm-hmm. and Houston would be right on the bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty, pretty yeah. crazy stuff, but yeah, that's college basketball for you. Yeah. Uh, then I guess staying in the big East, this was the, a wild game because halftime of this game, I, I turned it off because it's 36, 19 Creighton. Uh, I had to like, go and see what had happened. Well, what happened is Creighton scored uh, two points and Xavier started the second half scoring yeah, 29 to run, right? At 29 to two. Like yeah. I did watch the second half of this game. I, I felt like Xavier had a chance because they played so poorly in the first half, but Creighton they've had, they've blown some leads this year. So I was like, this could still be a bit of a game and Xavier couldn't miss in the second half. Jack Nungy, I think he had like three straight threes at one point. He had 16. Fremantle had 16. That duo was really scary, especially on the offensive end. Colby Jones did Colby Jones things, nine rebounds. Paul Scruggs had one of his best games of the year, 18 points, eight assists, five rebounds. They did, they got seven total points from their bench, but their starters played great. Four of them scored 15 or more points. I like the Xavier team quite a bit. Like I know they lost against Providence the other day. That's a game they probably should have won, especially with Nate Watson being in foul trouble. But to come back in a road game and conference play like this against a Creighton team that's an NCAA tournament bubble team, I think is a very impressive win for the Musketeers. Yeah. And for Creighton, I think this comes as like a major missed opportunity because if you're up 17 at the half, you, you need to convert that into a win. And that would have been a win. It would have been like another quadrant one win. Uh, you're starting to like build your resume up uh, as the tournament goes. They, they, as is have kind of like a, they have a tough schedule upcoming. They play at UConn at Seton hall. So those are two tough games upcoming. It really felt like a game Creighton needed to win, uh, especially after they had just lost handily at Butler. Like if you're able to get this win, it's like, okay, everything's going fine. And, but, uh, yeah, the second half, 
like it would be one thing to blow a 17 point lead and lose like in dramatic fashion. I guess there's no good way to lose a 17 point lead, but this, this is not it. Like to be like, they were with like 10 minutes left after being up 17 at the half. It felt like the game was over and they had lost. Like that's, that's the worst possible way to lose a big league like that. But uh, yeah, credit to Xavier for fighting, uh, clawing back, and just going scorched earth on the uh, start of the second half to get this win. And uh, they continue to look like a, you know, they're they're not like going to be in the NCAA tournament. They're they're fighting for a solid seed to make you know a potential run in the NCAA tournament as well. Looking at some mid major action. Uh, Loyola Chicago losing on the road today against Drake. That's a nice win by Drake. They're not going to be an at-large team. They've lost too many games probably for a Valley team. The metrics aren't great. So they're probably going to be out of this year's tournament unless they win Arch Madness, which is certainly possible, especially with the performance we saw today. Their defense hasn't been great. Their offense has been up and down. They haven't really had that consistent go-to guy and that's been noticeable that Joseph Yesufu today was DJ Wilkins. He scored 20 Garrett Sturts at 13. He was pretty good. And then Loyola Chicago, they didn't shoot the ball very well today. Lucas Williamson 0 for 5 from 3 and their defense wasn't great either. So uh, Loyola Chicago's had some games this year where like they played a lot of close games in league play. They lost Missouri State. They played a five point game against Southern Illinois the other day, 44 to 39. They barely beat Indiana State. They went to two OTs against Valpo. They went to OT against Bradley. I still bury in on this loyal Chicago team. I think they're going to be fine. I still think they're making the NCAA tournament, but they can't really take too many losses to teams like Evansville and Illinois State and uh, Illinois State twice. Bradley, they probably can't lose to. Uh, They already beat them at home, so they'll probably be fine. They just can't lose a lot of these games down the stretch, but I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. They're well-coached. Uh, they're solid on both ends of the floor, and they are very experienced, which I think helps them down the stretch here of the season. Yeah, I, I, I think they'll still make the NCAA tournament. I, I've just not been impressed though by this Loyola team, at least recently. Like they had the impressive win against uh, San Francisco, uh, that was a really high level basketball game. And I think the more impressive thing is they did that coming off a of COVID pause, but they haven't looked. To, Great as of late, uh, need overtime to beat Bradley and Valpo. Uh, felt like they kind of had a loss coming against Missouri State, so they lose that one, whatever. Didn't look great against Southern Illinois. Now this loss, I think we're, we're going to need to see this loyal Chicago team. I think right the ship, they have, you know, Illinois State should be a game they win quite handily, but they have big road games at Missouri State, at Bradley, those will Missouri State will maybe be a quadrant one win. Bradley maybe like quadrant two. So, I mean, they have opportunities to kind of even like build their resume a little bit more and maybe afford themselves another loss here in league play. But, uh, yeah, that obviously you can't lose too many more of these games. Uh, otherwise, they are going to slip uh, near the bubble. But, hey, they, they don't have a loss to the Pacific. Uh, which BYU has. Yeah, that that's an awful loss. Like that's a quadrant four loss. 
you just can't lose that game, especially after the way they lost the Santa Clara game the other day, Jalen Williams hitting the game winning floater. That's an okay loss. Like you can live with that loss. That's going to be a quadrant one, maybe a quadrant two loss. You can't lose the Pacific. Yeah. It just un- inexcusable. And look, Pacific even tried to give them the game away. Yeah. Like that they, game. They're, they're, they're they had chances the to win that game. Crazy. Yeah. They had chances to win that game. And like, we're talking about a team right now that's 17 and six They'll go play San Francisco, which I'm not going to say it's a must-win game, but you'd really like to have it. You'd really like to have it. And then you play Gonzaga, which maybe they win that game. We'll see. With how they played recently, I'm not very encouraged that that's going to happen. So let's say they split this week. They're seven. No, they're 18 and seven. They play Loyola Marymount Pepperdine. Loyola Marymount Pepperdine four times. So that'll be four of their final five games. And they play St. Mary's on the road. Let's give them a loss there. And then they let's just say they win the games against LMU and Pepperdine. So that's five wins. If you count the San Francisco win, that's 22 wins and seven losses in regular season play. I don't know if that's going to get them in the tournament. Like, I think it could be a 10, 11 seed. Maybe they're playing in Dayton. I think they barely sneak into the NCAA tournament, but it'll be a lot more of a, of a wait and see on selection Sunday, mainly because of this loss. Yeah, I, I still think they'll make the tournament like they have right now, kind of boosting their resume. They have five quadrant two wins, which look, it's not quadrant one wins, but they, they kind of like add up. Uh, they have the win at San Francisco, which is solid. They beat St. Mary's. So, I mean, if you can't to... lose to LMU or Pepperdine like that, that's what you have to yeah. avoid. Yeah, like if they avoid doing that, I think they'll be fine. But, I mean, they've certainly losing the Pacific and dropping, like, I think they drop close to 10 spots in the net. They were previously uh, 25th in the net. They're now 34th in the net. So, I guess a nine-spot drop. Uh, they still have a resume. I think, you know, the committee will, I think, they, they'll drop them, like, a seed line for this loss because uh, it's, it's an atrocious loss, maybe two seed lines. But I think at the end of the day, they still have a solid enough resume. Now, Grant, they play San Francisco, Gonzaga this week. They could go 0-2, with especially the way they've been playing recently. And uh, you, know, you lose LMU or Pepperdine one or two. If you lose one of those games, you lose to St. Mary's. Then we're kind of like get, get in concern, you know, position. But at least for now, I still think they're in but certainly I thought the conversation coming into, you know, this week against Santa Clara and especially even after that Santa Clara game was like, all right, BYU, they're still in position to be an NCAA tournament team, uh, but certainly don't take any bad losses. Well, now they've taken one bad loss, one okay loss, like Santa Clara's, I think, quadrant two. So it's not really a bad uh, loss, maybe even quadrant one, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be a loss that you know if they lo- they struggle upcoming, they'll they'll look back at this and uh, shake their head. But I still think BYU ends up being a tournament team. Yeah, so. I agree with you. Time to get into the pick segment of the episode. Hey, we 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 got one more game here. Oh, we do. Boise State. Oh, right. I don't know how I missed that because we went into BYU. That, that yeah. totally forgot. 
Boise State continuing the winning streak. I mean, it's impressive at this point. Like, they looked like they were going to lose this one. Marcus Shaver, great pump fake to draw the defender, got him in the air, wide open three-pointer to tie the game. Fresno State was not able to do much in OT. Boise State gets out to an early lead. Orlando Robinson fouls out when when Fresno was down six. Then Boise State goes up eight, but Fresno was able to come back and tie the game there after Jordan Campbell got an and one. But it was pretty much game from there after Boise State. They were able to connect on another shot. Then Emmanuel Acott hit the hit the shot that put the game away to put Boise State up five. I mean, look, at this point, we're more talking about Boise State. What seed are they going to get than is Boise State going to be in the tournament? Like, they've positioned themselves incredibly well. Leon Rice is doing a great job. They're 32nd in, the, in Ken Palm. They're top 35 in the net. They're 6th in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency. They haven't lost since November. Like, that that's crazy. Like, they have not lost since November 30th. Yeah. And they're 32nd in the net as well, so. Like, they have some – they have a good resume. Like, that's probably, like – eight, nine seed. Like they're not, we're not talking, they're playing in Dayton. We're talking, they're playing an eight, nine game. Maybe they're a seven seed. Like this is an incredible job by Leon Rice this season to just win, win games. Even when they look like they're out of it, they're never out of it because of how good they are defensively. And they can be struggling offensively for a whole game. But when it comes down to it, Marcus Shaver is going to go hit a shot. Yeah. And he's done Shaver's it time and time again. Yeah, he's been, like, one of the clutchest players in the sport this season. Like, he's made so many big-time shots. and Two game winners a few weeks ago, the game saver here. Like, he just does so much for this team. Yeah. And you have defenders that are so versatile around the court, like Emmanuel Laycott. He can defend all five positions. Uh, Abu Kijab's a versatile defender. Maladin Armoose is one of the best rebounders, and he's a solid post defender. Then you have uh, Tyson Dagenhard, who's been a good freshman for them, coming off the bench to begin the year. Now he's starting. He's been really good. So there's a lot of talent on this Boise State team. They play really hard. They're great defensively, obviously. I'm curious to see how they'll look in the NCAA tournament, how they'll uh, match up against certain opponents because of how how their offense can struggle at times. But I've been impressed. I mean, I I told like I saw this team in person. They play so hard on the defensive end. There, nothing comes easy. Like nothing comes easy at the basket for opposing teams. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, as we speak, Boise State is a seven seed. Oh, wow. uh, so it helps when you don't lose since November. Uh, you're That's able true. to. That's true. Help your resume a little bit, but yeah. Should we get into the picks? Let's do it. All right. Uh, no picks on the last podcast, but. Uh, the previous podcast, I did cut into your lead, so you're only up by two games here. You're get, ah. but we've had this before where like I cut into the lead, I get to, like a two point lead, and then you usually go on a you, small run, and then it's just like yeah, I, I hit the foul shots at the end to end the run. Yeah, and then I'll I'll make another come. This is this is like uh, one of these games where like I'm. I'm from behind, but I'm making my charge. Then you go on like a killer 8-0 run. Then I'm slowly yeah. making that charge, killer 8-0 run, or something like that. So prepare to prepare to fade all my picks and pick all Sean's picks. Duke at Notre Dame. Duke giving five. Uh, five and a half, actually. So Duke giving five and a half. I'm going to go with Duke here because physicality and size is not Notre Dame's strength, but it's Duke's strength. I think that will be a big issue for Notre Dame to handle. And this one, give me 
no, uh, give me Duke to cover five and a half against Notre Dame. I'll also go with uh, Duke minus five and a half. So we're on the same page here. Yeah. And like the thing about Duke too, is you get AJ Griffin, who's like previously they were like, they're so athletic, but do they have perimeter shooting? And AJ Griffin just goes five of five. And it's like, all right, I guess they have perimeter shooting. So yeah, this Duke team, very talented. Uh, I'll go with them to cover the five and a half. Meanwhile, this big game uh, potential, I think Colorado state, they're obviously in right now, but Wyoming, they, they have a, they, they've done really well to start this year, but it's different now that they're kind of like, they they have a tough week ahead. We will discuss two of their games, uh, but they, they host Colorado state here. I will take Wyoming to win this game and cover the three point spread. Four of the best players in the league will be in this game. Graham EK, Hunter Maldonado, both from Wyoming. Maldonado, 18 a game, five rebounds, six assists. EK, 19 points per game, the highest usage player in the country. Isaiah Stevens, he had 35 in the loss against UNLV. So Colorado State really wants this one after dropping a game against a team they shouldn't really be losing to. And then they uh, they have David Roddy, obviously, who might be conference player of the year. So there's a lot of talent in this game. It's in Laramie. That's not an easy place to play. But I'm going it, it, the official is Colorado State plus one and a half. I'm going to take Colorado State just went out right. That's fine with me. I think overall there's just a little more talent on Colorado State's roster, and that makes me lean towards them. I'm curious to see how James Moores and Deshaun Thomas defend inside against Graham E.K. because David Roddy doesn't really have this, the height to, but he has the size and strength too. So I'm curious to see if that's how that goes or if they put Moores or Thomas on him. But I think Colorado State's going to come out motivated after dropping that game against UNLV the other day. Isaiah Stevens, Chandler Jacobs, Kendall Moore, maybe one of the, one of those guys outside of Stevens or Roddy has a big game. I think Colorado State comes out with the road win. All right. So differing picks here. Uh, we move on to Tuesday, though. Uh, pretty loaded day uh, overall. We've got first game, Davidson going on the road to take on St. Bonaventure. Uh Davidson, they they lost a game to VCU last week. I, I touched on. I think they were kind of due to lose the game, but I think they get a big road win here uh, at St. Bonaventure. Uh, the Bonnies have been less than impressive this season, inconsistent to say the least. So I'll take Davidson to eke out another uh, tough win here. Yeah, like I still have some small hope in the Bonnies, but they're not. If this is a game where Davidson's just hitting threes over and over, that's not going to be a game where where St. Bonaventure is going to be able to compete. They're going to need to slow down the tempo. They're not going to be. I mean, the tempo is going to be slow regardless on both sides, but they're going to have to slow down the three point shooting of Davidson. If Davidson's hitting those shots with Mike Jones and Foster Lawyer, Hunjun Lee, David, uh, St. Bonaventure just doesn't have the scoring ability to keep up. So I'm going to go with Davidson to win. All right. Uh, Big 12 action. First up, we got Kansas going on the road to take on Iowa state. Uh, I'm going to roll with Iowa state. They played. I think they were starting to figure it out in the second half against Missouri. Uh, Grand Missouri's not great, but they're, they're starting to get their offense rolling a little bit. Uh, and Kansas, I don't know. It's hard to pick a, them just following uh, what happened against Kentucky. So give me Iowa State to cover the two-point spread. I still don't trust Iowa State's offense if Isaiah Brockington's not hitting shots. 
the three-point shooting still still a problem. I It was a close game the first time these two teams met. Kansas won by one. I think Kansas will get a rebound here and be able to win this game. I think they just have a little too much scoring for Iowa State to handle. All right. So, differing picks there. I think we'll both be on the same page. Texas Tech minus five seems like free money. Taking Texas. I'm taking Texas. You're taking Texas. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it'll be interesting. Like Texas, they've underachieved based on their talent level. When are they finally going to get it going? I think this is a game. I don't know if they win, but I think it'll be close. Like there's a lot of emotions in this game, obviously on both sides, the fans will be into it. So that'll be fun to watch. Just the, the atmosphere will be super cool. But is this a game where Marcus Carr looks like the Marcus Carr we saw in Minnesota? I think I, I still have high hopes for this Texas team, and this could be a big-time game on, on a national stage where they show that they're going to be the team that we all thought they're going to be. Yeah, I, I can't get behind that. I, I think Texas Tech, one, I think there's just so much motivation, uh, anger from, like, I, I think this might be, like, the number one atmosphere you want to be at. Like, Texas, the, it's not going to be nice treatment to – uh, Mr. Beard for leaving Texas Tech. So I, I think the which which I totally disagree with. Like I think I think Texas Tech fans that boo Chris Beard and do whatever they're gonna do is just just not. I don't get it. Like he took you to a national championship game. I think you gotta show him respect. Like he left for a better job. Like he did. And Texas is a better job than Texas Tech. He left for his alma mater. Like he left for one of the best jobs in the country. He made Texas Tech into what it is. Like, Texas Tech isn't Texas Tech as a top 15 team without Chris Beard. And, and just the way Texas Tech fans kind of see the whole situation is a little little weird to me. Uh, boo him. Boo. No, I mean, I, I, I just think that's ridiculous. Boo. We, we want max hostility. No, Just I don't. keep it like, P- PG, though. Just... You just, I, I just keep the I just don't get there's some things I don't get. Like I don't get booing Chris Beard and I don't get the overrated chant when you just beat a team. Like I think the overrated chant might be the dumbest thing in all of sports that fans what, can What about the overrated chant when you just lost? I mean that's only Missouri fans. I mean that one I don't even get. Like I, that that's probably the worst worst one I've ever seen. But like when you go and beat a team and you're like overrated, like wh- why? Like why would you say that? Like you should be like, well, this team is either properly rated or they're they're even they're underrated. You know what? They're underrated. No, like, you, you, should, you should chant, "We are underrated." Yeah, like why are you? Why are you like? I I just don't. I've never understood that, and I I think most people mm-hmm. think the same way. There, like I just don't get it. It. Some some fan base like of smart people should do like a respect us chant like respect us respect us or something like that like get 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 a chant where like your team is being you know praised and like people like college basketball fans on Twitter if you start like a respect us chant they'll be like oh look at these these smart fans. They're they're not chanting overrated, like that. That's that's what teams need to do or fans need to do. But yeah, I'm I'm all for Texas Tech fans booing Chris Beard. Just keep don't don't cuss at him. Don't 
Uh, yeah, don't, don't like, throw if, anything at him. Yeah, don't like, do any of that for sure. Like, yeah. don't. That's ridiculous. Definitely don't do any of that. Yeah. Keep keep it PG. You can do. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Texas Tech fan. Like, I'm not even going to tweet my thoughts about the situation again because anytime I do, Texas Tech fans just get angry. Like, so it's not even not even worth me putting it out there. Yeah. All right. Uh, last game though on Tuesday it is the Iron Bowl Part Two. Uh, Alabama going on the road to take on Auburn. Uh, I've I've no idea what to expect. I'll just take Auburn to cover the eight point spread, but mm. who knows? Eight's a lot of points. It is. That's like that's more than a touchdown. That is. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go here and say Alabama covers. Maybe they win. I mean. If they're hitting those three-point shots, they can win. It's just I have no idea if they can. Like, we haven't seen it consistently this year. But when they do hit those shots, they can beat Gonzaga. So I'm going to say Alabama covers. Uh, I don't know if they win. I'll, I'll say they cover, but, like, if they win, I'd be like, sure. I'm not surprised. Like, I, I'm not expecting it, but I'm also not going to be like, man, that's the most stunning result of the year. Like, I will be like, that's pretty par for the course for Alabama right now. Yeah. So it, who knows what to expect? Like Alabama could literally win this game. And we, when we come on in podcasts Thursday night, we're going to be like, oh uh, yeah, that's Alabama for you. But if they lose by 20, it's like, like yeah, well, like they that's Alabama. The, they could be the best team. One of the best teams in college basketball. Like they were ranked top five at one point, right? Weren't they fourth after they beat Gonzaga? Probably. Like I they were, they were sure, that but... high for a reason. Like, they are good. They are that good. They just haven't been able to show that they're that good consistently. And we'll see how this one goes. I think Auburn's really good. I think Walker Kessler could give them trouble again. He was really good in the first game against them. Obviously, Jabari Smith probably going to be the first pick, but I think eight's a little too much. Yeah. Uh, let's see where Alabama did get up into the polls. I, I think it was four. I had them at four, I think. Maybe that's what it was. They were top ten. It's, they got to six before mm. losing to Memphis. Okay, six. All right, that's up there. Yeah, top six. That's solid. Some Big Ten action on Wednesday. Wisconsin going to Illinois. It's Big Ten home court advantage going to continue. What do you think here? Yeah, I'll go Illinois. Uh, I don't have a great feel on this. Like six is. It's a lot of points. It's like a tweener number. It's like yeah. If you're telling me it was four, I'd take Illinois for sure. Yeah. If it's eight, I'll take Wisconsin. If it's four, I'll take Illinois. It's like. It's six. I'm taking Wisconsin. All right. Yeah. I I don't know. Like, I think Illinois will win. Kofi Coburn should have a pretty good game in this one. Uh, Wisconsin struggled a bit with big men this year. But Johnny Davis, like, it doesn't, like, it seems like the bigger the game, the bigger the environment, Johnny Davis steps up. You yeah. saw it against Ohio State. I believe he had a pretty big game there. You saw it against Maryland. You saw it against uh, Purdue, obviously, dropping 37. And Houston. Mackey. Houston, yeah, that's true. In the Maui Invitational, he had 30 in that one. It just seems like the bigger the moment, Johnny Davis steps up, and this is a very big moment against a, a ranked Illinois team on the road, Big Ten. I don't think Wisconsin wins, but I think Johnny Davis has another 30, not maybe not 30, but 25-plus point game in this one they'll need production inside from Tyler Wall and Chris Boat 
and uh, Ben Carlson, Stephen Corral. They'll need contributions from those guys if they're going to actually win the game. But I think I think I can rely on Johnny Davis to have a good game here. Yeah, yeah. I I would say this: if if Wisconsin wins, it will be Johnny Davis going off for like thirty. Like yeah. that's going to yeah. need to happen. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Like that, that's what makes them a final four contender. If he's able to do that, if not, yeah. they could lose in the first round. Yeah. Like but he can do that any game. That That's like why it's so tough to pinpoint what this team is. I think, but Hey, I mean, Brad Davidson's had games this year where he's went off too. Yeah. Like the, I think the role players are starting to like develop a little bit around Davis to where like, They've been able to win games where he's not played gr- great, but I I don't trust them. Like if they're playing Duke or someone like that, and Johnny Davis scores twenty, like Wisconsin's not winning that game. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at with Wisconsin, but we'll see. Revenge game though for Villanova. They go on the road to take on Marquette. Uh, Marquette beat them in the pavilion. First time that had happened since, uh, or Big East team to do it since uh, Butler in 2017. But I think Villanova exacts their revenge. They'll win and uh, cover the four point spread. I'm going to go with Marquette again to win to cover. I I just like this Marquette team a lot. They play so hard. They have they have a lot of. Uh, they have a lot of talent with Justin Lewis and Tyler Kolick, such a good pick and roll player. They have a lot of guys that play their role really well. If they're able to shoot the ball consistently from three, I think that really helps in this one, but I'm going to go with Marquette to win at home. All right. Uh, Moving on Thursday. This is a big one, obviously biggest. We had the biggest game in the pac 12 earlier this week. It was not all that close. Hopefully, this one's a little bit closer. Well, it's the same uh, game, though. Yeah, same game. I didn't UCLA. watch the first one. Didn't watch the first one. I was under the weather and sleeping, so I didn't watch the first one. It was it was a blowout. Didn't expect that. Yeah, UCLA going on the road to take on Arizona. Arizona is a five point favorite in this one. I don't feel like it'll actually end up being five. Like, I feel like it'll be like three. But let's go with five. I'll take Arizona anyways. I still am a big believer in this Arizona team. What are the odds Kirk Kreese goes 0 for 12 in this game also? Not very high. I think Kreese is a good player, but he also kind of dictates what this Arizona team's ceiling can be because he is their starting point guard. They just didn't shoot the ball well, 7 for 28 from 3. Benedict Matherin didn't have a good game either. He went 5 for 22. Like, how often is he going to go 5 for 22? Not very often. Azulis Tubelis only played 15 minutes as he came back from injury. To Bellis played 22 minutes the other day against Arizona State. So I think that was more of easing him back into his role after missing a number of games there. Uh, Arizona played a tight one against Arizona State the other day. It's a rivalry game. I think you can always expect those to be a little closer, even if the talent difference is massive like it is in this situation. But for me, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Arizona here because I don't think Kirk Kreese and Ben Benedict Matherin have another terrible game. I think that happened. Hey, everybody has a worst game of the year. That was their worst game of the year at the worst time possible. I think right now, I think we're looking at Arizona uh, is going to get it going here against UCLA. Yeah. I'm, I'm rolling with Arizona as well. I, I think like that first matchup, it was just like offensive. Everything they, that could have went wrong did. Yeah. Like they like. started off very well and then like they couldn't get a shot to fall. And then it was like, Ben Matherin was just trying to like 
be like LeBron James and just take over the game. And he, he like was, I think kind of overwhelmed. He had like a sequence, like it looked like Jimmy Butler of the finals. Like he like gets fouled on a shot, makes it like to cut the game to like 10. He's like going off to the bench. And he like puts his hand on his hips. And he's like exhausted or something like that. He like gave me Jimmy Butler game five of the, uh, bubble finals type vibes. But I think Arizona will play much better in this game. I think Kirk Kreeza, he'll at least go like 33% on threes. Maybe he doesn't go off, but he'll he'll be at home. I think shooting with a little bit more confidence. Uh, I think like home environment is so big, uh, especially when there's uh, you know full crowd of fans, which there will be uh, at Arizona. So give me Arizona to... Uh, win and cover the five-point spread. Yeah, I'm with you there. And then we're going to the Mountain West, Boise State against Wyoming. It's a big game for both teams. Both are NCAA tournament-level teams. Both are kind of on the bubble. Boise State's in a bit of a better spot with their high-quality wins. Wyoming's more so on the bubble, but still in at this point, more than likely. I think this is a game that Wyoming needs more than Boise State does. It would just be another win for Boise State that bolsters their resume, maybe gets them to a seven or a six seed. For Wyoming, it could be the win that solidifies them being in the NCAA tournament. I think they'll be able to win this one. I'm, I think Maladin Armouche has as good of a chance to defend Graham E.K. as anybody uh, in the league because he's a strong physical big man. And then you look at the point guard matchup. Well, he have six, two six foot seven point guards with Emmanuel Acott for Boise and Hunter Maldonado for Wyoming. So uh, not many teams in the country can match up with Maldonado at six foot seven at the point guard spot, but Boise state has one. That's also six foot seven. You look at the supporting cast of both teams, uh, Xavier Ducell, Drake Jeffries, Brandon Wenzel. Those are all three point shooters. And then, Boise State has Marcus Shaver as a go-to guy. And then you have Key Jab, you have Acott, you have Dagan Hart. But I'm going to go with the shooters of Wyoming really winning them this game here. I think I think the the talent with the stars kind of will be will be there, but it won't be like a huge game for Graham E.K. It'll be an okay game for Hunter Maldonado. I think this is a game where we could see like 22 from Drake Jeffries, and that would be what wins Wyoming the game. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm also going with uh, Wyoming. I, I just think, like, it, for one, Boise State's kind of due to w- lose one of these games. Like, they, they've been playing in so many close games. It was kind of like the same deal with Davidson. Like, that VCU game, another game that came right down the wire, uh, but VCU ends up winning. Because, like, you you only win so many, like, nail biters in a row. And I think they're due for, like, one of these nail biters to just go the other way. So, I'll roll with Wyoming on that. And I think Wyoming also really needs the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't think a loss here is like devastating for Boise. That no. might drop I, I think like it's much worse for dis- Wyoming. What? I think it's much, much worse for Wyoming. If they yeah. Lose. Like if Wyoming, they have two really good opportunities this week. If they go 0 2 or if they go 0 2, they're that. That's probably it for their like at large chances. Maybe they get like a win here or there late to get back in it, but like this week is it for Wyoming. Like you, you were kind of like this Wyoming team. They've been good all season. Uh, they've rated high in the metrics. Now's your chance to kind of like make a statement. We're a team. Uh, they certainly have the talent to do it. I think they 
they at least get one and I think this game's the more likely one, but I think they get one. I'll pick them to get two wins here, though. And that would certainly, I think, move them from, like, just in, or some people have them, like, just out. Like, I think that goes from, like, right on the bubble to them being, like, a 9 or 10 seed or something like that, which is helpful for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Last game of the week on the pick schedule. Last pick, San Francisco going on the road to take on BYU. BYU favored by four in this game. So, Man, I don't know. Like, I'm going to go with San Francisco because what I've seen recently from BYU isn't encouraging. But San Francisco, like, they should have beat BYU the first time. They should have beat St. Mary's. They can't hold on to a lead right now. I don't know if they'll have a big lead in this one at any point, but I think they'll be able to beat BYU. The Marriott Center is not an easy place to play, but I'm I'm relying on the experience of San Francisco to win them this one. It, here's what I'll say. Like, I don't know if San Francisco will win this game or lose this game. It's going to come down to the last possession. Like, that, San Francisco only loses in heartbreaking fashion. That's the way they lose. Uh, so, at the very least, I think they cover the four-point spread. Uh, and I'll take Alex Barcelo to drill like a 17 footer at the buzzer to oh, win this okay. game. Okay. That's what's going to happen. That's, that's very on brand for how San Francisco's year has gone. And like with San Francisco needs this win though. Like if they don't get this one, like they you're, both kind of need it in, in, yeah. in a way. I think San Francisco, though, like they need it more because BYU still has, like mentioned earlier, they have quality wins. Like San Francisco, you look at their resume, they have solid wins. Like that Davidson win certainly looks solid. Uh, UAB on a neutral. So, I mean, those are two quadrant one wins. But if you're able to go into the Marriott Center and win, uh, that that would be like a quadrant, guaranteed quadrant one maybe quadrant 1A win, and that would kind of really bolster their resume and I think put them back in a position to uh, where they're, I think, on the right side of the bubble. Like right now, I think they're like right on the bubble. If they're able to win this one, they're comfortably on the right side of the bubble. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm still in on the San Fran team, but they've dropped those two games against St. Mary's and Bryant that they probably should have won, so... Uh, yeah. Not not helping their cause there. Yeah. Well, come on, Todd. Close the game out here. We need you. I don't think we're supposed to root on the podcast, but screw yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not rooting for San Francisco. I, I think it'd be a cool story for college basketball if they make the tournament. Yeah, we're we're rooting for San Francisco's storyline if they make the tournament. Mm-hmm. The best way for that storyline to happen is by them winning this game. There we go. That would help. uh, Any last thoughts, though, before we sign off here? No, that'll wrap it up for me. I guess uh, we have two weeks to figure it out, but uh, who's your early Super Bowl pick? Ooh. I think I'll go Rams. Rams giving four. Ooh, I'm going to need more time here. Going Bengals to win it. I just think it's their year. Could be. Uh, I I was 
I was thinking the Chiefs were going to win. I was like, all right, this Mahomes is figuring it out and then score three points in the entire second half. What are you doing? Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. And game game losing interception. Yep. But I'm just I'm crossing my fingers. Aaron Rodgers to Denver. <laughs> we're going we'll all in. We'll see. Maybe maybe you guys will uh land the losing quarterback from today's NFC championship game instead. We'll see. Well it, we we didn't get Dan Quinn, so we'll I guess we'll just have to get Rodgers. <laughs> well, that will wrap up for this episode of the podcast. Just make sure to subscribe to the podcast uh, and keep listening in. Uh, we'll be back next time to break down whether San Francisco can get a win or not. Uh, we'll see if they can do that. So stay tuned until that. But until next time, we'll be back.